Welcome to Atomic Moms, a parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our little ones and ourselves. I'm your host, Ellie Noss. Each week, I join forces with celebrities, best-selling authors, parenting experts, and caregivers all over the world to share their unique stories in this universal experience of raising a child. We post daily on social media at Atomic Moms, so check us out and look up AtomicMoms.com. If you subscribe on iTunes, you can get the episode way earlier, sometimes like a week earlier than if you just get it from the regular iTunes feed. So subscribe at iTunes.com backslash Atomic Moms. We have listeners all over the world. It's crazy. I know this because mamas write me and because I like to look at the statistics. And I get a lot of messages from mama listeners who wish they could meet other moms. And in particular, other moms who listen to Atomic Moms. So I mentioned it on Instagram and Facebook and you can find the post from March 2nd. So find that post from March 2nd, throw out your town um, and make a play date for yourselves. Um, or with your kids. I think I should just get a Winnebago and road trip it. Okay, I'm going to shut up real soon because I have a new mom crush and I cannot wait for you to hear her interview. She's on her show today, model, actress, host, mother of twins, Garcelle Beauvais. She currently hosts Hollywood Today Live on Fox with national syndication and she got her big break playing Fancy Monroe, Jamie Foxx's wife on The Jamie Foxx Show. She moved to the States from Haiti as a child with her single mom. And you're not going to believe how she learned English. We talk about co-parenting and raising sons with a 16-year age gap. And she shares a very funny story about taking her children to the Easter egg roll at the White House. And while we're on the topic of the White House, we also talk a little bit about politics. And I know we're all cool with that because Atomic Moms listeners are all over the map when it comes to politics and religion, and that's what makes us special and awesome. We celebrate that we don't all share the same ideologies. We've got Buddhist moms and Mormon moms and Republican moms and Democrat moms, and that's what makes America great, although we seem to lose sight of that these days sometimes. And it's what makes Atomic Moms special. We also discuss Garcelle's children's book series, I Am Mixed, I Am Living in Two Homes, and her third book, I Am Amazing. I am amazing. <laughs> um, say that right now to yourself and like you won't be able to help but smile. Okay. I was stacking my daughter Sabrina's books last night and I realized that almost all the characters in her books are either they're either animals or they're white kids. And that's something that needs to change at my house. Okay, I'm jumping off my soapbox and leaping into this interview with Hollywood Today Live host Garcelle Beauvais. We could not stop laughing. Hi, Garcelle. Hi. <laughs> okay, for our listeners, Garcelle looks so beautiful. She looks like she just stepped off the red carpet. Uh, she was interviewing Khloe Kardashian this morning. Which was a lot of fun. So she has her game face on. I sure do. <laughs> Hello, if Chloe comes in, you better be on your A game. Yeah. She looks beautiful. Yeah. And you, you guys record just down the street from me. We do. It couldn't have been easier. Well, thank you so much for coming over. I'm so happy to be here. I have to tell and you. your beautiful home. Oh, thanks. I cleaned up a little bit for you. <laughs> <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. I clean up sometimes for the housekeepers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> definitely. Oh, for Which sure. I don't have... Too much because I try to get my kids to clean up. I do Saturdays or cleanup day. And you should see Jack's vacuuming. It's like he's being tortured. He doesn't like it? No. 
Well, Sabrina loves it, but she's two and a half, so it's totally useless. Ex- yeah. <laughs> like, she's, like, vacuuming up her toys. Right. My mom once vacuumed my hair accidentally oh my when I was, like, in third grade. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Kind of traumatic for me, but she still laughs. Um, yeah, so Saturdays are your cleanup days Yeah, with the fam. I try to get the boys. I just want them to be well-adjusted, you know, men who clean up after themselves, who are compassionate for women, who open doors, who... It might be too much. They're eight. They're eight. <laughs> These twin boys are eight years old, everybody. Uh, so since you just mentioned that, I want to go ahead and jump in with a blog post of yours. Sure. You wrote the most beautiful thing about parenting sons and sort of the way you, you said in the blog that your friends and you were together and you were talking about Because we your, all have boys. Yeah. And how your mothers raised you. And so can you kind of share a little bit about that. Sure, absolutely. Growing up, um, I'm Haitian, and growing up in a Haitian household, the boys are treated differently than the girls. Like, we learn to cook, we clean. If my brothers are at the table, my mom will pick up their plates, but will she pick up our plates? No. So (laughs) it was crazy, and I didn't know any better. So I thought that's the way it went. And then, of course, cut to I leave home at 17. I go to New York to model. I, you know, grow up and I start dating. And I remember when I got married, my mom came to visit and she was about to iron my husband's shirts and stuff. And I was like, don't you do that because I'm not doing that. (laughs) You know, so it's kind of like a re... uh, It's a generational thing. So me and my girlfriends, we all happen to have boys and we were talking about you know, the differences between the way we were raised and the way we want to raise our boys. And I teach my boys to open doors for me. You should open doors for a lady. And sometimes in the morning when I'm running, we're late for school, pick up your clothes, get your backpack, don't hit your brother. And then I'll open the door and they're like, mommy, we're supposed to open the door for you. And it, you know, I don't always remember. So sometimes they have to teach me to hold up, open the door. So I think those are the things we should teach our sons. And our girls to sort of expect too. I know we can do it ourselves, but it's nice for them to know that it's a kind thing to do. And I love that you say that about, you know, we have to remember to let them open the doors for us. Can I tell you, I know we are now, you know, the 21st century, we can do it all and we can do most of it (laughs) as women. But I was on a trip and me and my girlfriend were, uh, We're in the ocean. We're about to get on this boat. It was like one of those day boat things. And the guy put out his hand to help her. She went first. And she said, no, thank you. I got it. And then I'm coming along. And now she's watching me. And he puts his hand out to help me. And I go, nope, I'm good. And then later on, I thought, what would it have hurt? Yes, I can do it. But what would it have hurt to let him help us. He was really just being kind. And it wasn't to say that we're not capable. And I think sometimes as women, because we can do it all, we forget just to kind of surrender and say, Mm -hmm. okay, you can help me. Okay. You can buy me a drink or grab my chair for me. It doesn't take away anything from our femininity or our power. Right. But it was just a reality check. Maybe because sometimes we're so defensive about it because like we're so used to having to prove it. That's exactly Um, right. (laughs) In that blog, you say... Uh, Women often buy into the mantra that men have to change, but I believe there's a second part to that not-so-simple equation. We as women have to change how we love our sons so they will eventually become the men that our future women love. Yes. (laughs) 
I just got chills. I'm going to have to shave my legs again. (laughs) You know what? I feel like if I had paid better attention to the people that the men that were in my life and how they treated their mothers, mm-hmm. I would have had an insight to how I was going to be treated down the way. And I think that's why it's important for us moms of boys to teach them how to love. You know, we're the role models to what they're going to love when they grow up. And I just think also dads for the little girls, the men that we choose are usually modeled by our dads, good and bad. You know, so I think a little bit of teaching that to our sons is, you know, kind of important and also conflict, a lot of different things. My boys were fighting the other day because when they're playing Minecraft, Jade wants to play with Jax and Jax just wants to play on his own and Jax will kill him (laughs) in the game and be like, don't kill me, don't kill me. And so the other day I said, guys, every weekend, because they're not allowed to play video games during the week, I said, every weekend we're here again where one of you is crying, I'm frustrated. How do we learn so that next weekend we're not here again? And they kind of looked at me like, huh? And I was like, um, first of all, I'm too tired. It's my first Saturday getting to sleep. And the last thing I want to do is have to, you know, be a referee. But I had to sort of say, how do we change this so we're not here again yeah. next weekend? Which is so amazing because everyone in their 30s, 40s, 50s, I mean, we're doing the same thing. We're doing the same thing in over our and marriages. Over again. <laughs> Listen, I'm doing the same thing. It's our own version of Minecraft. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it's our own version of Minecraft. Absolutely. And uh, I've sucked at it for a very long time. (laughs) I've never tried. I keep hearing about it. My poor nephew Kai is obsessed. He had a birthday party for it. I got to dig in. I need to dig into this. You know they have Minecraft camps now. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Let's come up with our own version. Right? We'll both retire. Exactly. You'll start your podcast. (laughs) Oh, God. Guys, we're, we're going to get Garcelle to start a podcast because we want to listen every week. OMG. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So on Instagram, which, by the way, everyone needs to go on your Instagram account. Actually, everyone already is on your Instagram account. I think I was the last to join no, the party. I no, I think I was. Um, you have this quote that's, don't be ashamed of your story. It will inspire others. Yeah, I think so many times we're either embarrassed or uncomfortable with our stories, but somebody could have it worse. And we don't think of that. We don't think that we can sort of share our journey and help somebody else. So I'm an open book, good or bad. It's where I am. Um, It's, I'm a work in progress. You know, I feel like I've been through a lot of things that other women have been through and probably will go through, but I'm not afraid to talk about it because I think it's part of my journey. It's, you know, I have two beautiful kids out of my, my journey. I have strength out of my journey. I have good girlfriends and guy friends because of my journey. Well, let's go back to the beginning. Okay. (laughs) You grew up in Haiti. Mm -hmm. And how old were you when you moved to Massachusetts with your mother? I was seven years old. My mom left a year and a half before us so she could come and get a job and get paperwork for us so we can come the right way. And being a mom, and I'm sure you can relate, can you imagine leaving your child for a year and a half? What, what did she leave you with the, the extended family or with she her left, ex-husband? No, she left me with heart. my older sisters because okay. I'm the youngest of seven. So my oldest sort of became my surrogate mothers, if mm. you will. And so they watched over us. We watched over each other. And, uh, you know, my mom would send, you know, cards and letters and photos oh. when she could. And then 
Did when you I, have any idea? How did she describe Massachusetts to you? Because I grew up in Texas, mm-hmm. and I went to college in Massachusetts, and that felt like a different world for <laughs> me. Because I was in Western... Can you imagine? I was in Western Massachusetts, and everybody... It was literally, like, right out of Legally Blonde, because I would wear my little black tube top <laughs> and flip-flops, and all the other girls are in their fleeces. Of course. Like Selma Blair. I mean... <laughs> I w- stuck out like a sore thumb. I cannot imagine being your age, moving from Haiti, and you didn't even speak English. I didn't speak English. It was the dead of winter. Um, <laughs> I had never seen white people. <laughs> it was. I thought she was trying to kill us. I yeah. was like, she lost her mind. She brought us here to kill us. Um, it was totally a culture shock, and I couldn't go to school right away because I didn't know the language, understand the language to go to school, so I stayed home and watched Sesame Street and went A, Apple, B, Banana and wow. learned English. And then when I could go to school, kids hadn't seen my skin color. They hadn't seen my hair texture. So it was definitely a culture shock. But being a kid, you adapt. And I felt like I was, you know, one of them. I it didn't. You did. You, I were did. you able to make friends easily? Yeah. I think, you know, kids are resilient. and uh, Yeah. Other- and you in particular are resilient. You see, you've got it. You know what I mean? I don't know what that is, but I think, but you know what? If you look at a little bit of history of Haitian history, Uh we're all resilient. We've went through so much. That country is still going through a lot and people hold their heads up and have faith. And I think it's just part of our DNA. I don't know where that comes from. So you basically learned English from Sesame Street. Have you been on Sesame Street? I haven't. How have you not been on Sesame Street? I don't Street? know. I have HBO, no idea. HBO, HBO, get it together. <laughs> Garcelle needs to be on Sesame Street. That would Street. be so much fun. And it's funny because watching, you know, my first son, Oliver, watching Sesame Street, and now, you know, my little ones watch Sesame Street. It's, I mean, you know, so it's ha- in our home. For our listeners, mm-hmm. You've been married twice. Mm-hmm. You have one son with your first husband, mm-hmm. and then 16 years later, you had twins <laughs> with your second yes. ex-husband. Yes. So I want to talk to you first about raising children in different generations, because my half-sister is 14 years younger than me. Oh. So I am personally curious yeah. about sort of how you had them bond and also what it's like how the parenting world has changed in those 16 years oh my god first of all with my older son oliver i was still sort of hustling you know for you know i was a model when i had him i lived in new york i had him in new york we moved out to la when he was six months old and i remember taking him to the pediatrician to get him set up and he goes so have you thought about schools? And I'm like, this guy's a quack. He's like six months old. He's drooling. Who's thinking about school? Not knowing that in LA or any big city nowadays, you have to be sort of registered while you're in the womb to get into a school. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn that. And we got into a great school. Um, but I was still working and I was still, even though I'm working now, it was different. I was trying to establish myself as an actress and transitioning from modeling to acting. So a lot of it is, and I took him everywhere with me. He was on the set of the Jamie Foxx show. He sort of grew up, you know, wow. on the set. And um, and so it's it was totally different. And back then he watched more TV. Now I'm a little bit more, less TV and, you know, more reading. So I learned a lot 
raising him as well. So I was kind of, we were sort of teaching each other in mm-hmm. a way. Um, and with these two little boys, um, first of all, the world is different. We have the social media and iPads and iPhones. And the other day, uh, Jack said to me, Mom, is it true there were no iPads before I was born? (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, what did you do? What did you do? They can't fathom that. So I think now I worry in a different way, but I'm a little bit more settled in my career. So I feel like I spend more time with them and I know how fast they grow up. So I try quality time is really important to me. And I wasn't looking to be divorced again. I wasn't looking to um, have my kids go back and forth between two homes. And I remember when I started dating Mike, two things I said, I said, okay, if you cheat on me, it's a deal breaker. And I never want to have my kids go back and forth between two homes. And it's almost like as if I said, those are what I want. (laughs) That's what came to you. Yes, that's what came to me. So, Mm. um, So that being said... Uh, we're making the best of it. And once I got uh, started going through my divorce, it was really important that I that I learn to be okay with this man that my kids love so much. My thing was, how do I hate someone that my kids love so much? Yeah. I couldn't. And, and that I are a part of them. And a part of them. Like and I didn't DNA want... DNA-wise, you know? Yeah. That's what Mannerism-wise. Yeah. You know, oh, you start seeing... It must seeing. be trippy. To see your yeah. ex in their faces, and you I, love them, right? I, I remember with my my uh, my parents, my dad being like, "You're just like your mother," or whatever. And there's <laughs> that too, because there can be this inner conflict for a child of divorce, where you're like, you strongly dislike, right, somebody that is such a huge part of who I am. So, do you dislike that part of me? Right, right. I never thought of it that way, but absolutely. And so I had to go to therapy and did all that stuff so that we could co-parent. So many of our mothers listening right now are probably going through this. Is there what piece of advice or what did you learn in therapy to help you release some of that resentment and anger? Because I would, Adam, if you're listening, that's my husband, I will burn your house down. (laughs) How do you... (laughs) How, where do you take the rage since it can't be in front of your children? No, the rage, I remember one night crying so hard. It was gut-wrenching that the next day or two, it felt like I did a workout, like I did 150 crunches. It was the most excruciating pain that I had ever known. And what was really hard for us is after he left the house, because I had these two little babies and Jax is very connected to him and he wouldn't sleep that he had to move back in the house so that I could get help with trying to get Jax to sleep at night. I mean, it was just How the most... How old were they? Um, they were just three, just oh. turned three at the time. So it was really, really hard. And so being in the same house um, with the rage, with the betrayal, with all that was just something that I would never wish on anyone. Um but what I learned the most in therapy is not trying to distract from that pain, is to sit with it and go through it. Not distracted with going out and doing shots of tequila with my friends. Right. <laughs> not distracting by going shopping. Which I was about to say. I did do in the, I did do in the beginning. I did FU shopping. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. did FU shopping. I sure, certainly did. <laughs> uh, you should trademark that, by the way. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, that wasn't good. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, I really had to sit with it and go through it because if I didn't sit with it and go through it, I wouldn't be able to move to the other side of it. And so there were many times where, and I wrote in journals and just cried and cried and cried. And then one day I felt like, okay, I think I'm, I'm think I'm getting there. And so, um, and I wanted the boys to be okay. I grew up without my dad. My dad left when I was three and didn't come back into my life until I was 14. And I never really had a relationship with him because there really wasn't a relationship to be had. So I didn't want my kids to not to have their dad in their life. So I had to be a big girl, you know, oh, put on my yeah. big girl panties. And, uh, and now we're good. You know, we have Thanksgiving together. We, he's at my house. I'm at his house. We do baseball and all the sports things together. And I'm hoping one day that my boys will see what I was able to do because sometimes I feel like I made it so good for them that I don't want them not to know what I went through. I will send them this podcast. (laughs) I will sit their butts down. I will take away the Minecraft when they're 23 because they'll still be playing it. And I will say, listen to your mother. Yeah, I hope one day that that, knowing that would stop them from doing it to a woman that they love. Because I do believe their dad loved me. I just thought, I just think that that was, he wasn't capable of loving in the way that I wanted him to. If that makes sense. Absolutely. What did you do uh, for your older son when the twins were born so that he could be sort of um, a, really a part of the family, especially since he's coming from your first marriage? Yeah. How, how did you He wanted siblings for the longest time. I got a dog to sort of, you know, hold him off. So when Jackson Jade came, he was just in love instantly. I mean, I have photos of him sitting on my bedside at the hospital holding the boys and like holding them like a football. I'm like, they're not a football. (laughs) And he just really, really loves them. I mean, he doesn't live with us anymore. So um, that's been tough, but he'll come to their football games and cheer them on. And, you know, they, it's funny because I thought because the age difference was so different, so much that they wouldn't be a connection, but there is a connection because there's a blood connection and a love connection. So I think that, you know, that's gorgeous. Yeah, it's good. What are you guys, what do you usually do for Mother's Day? I'm so curious as a single mom, what does Mother's Day look like for you? Well, it depends if I have them. Like uh, normally I'll have them for Mother's Day and, you know, they'll cook me breakfast. It's usually toast and juice, you know, what they're capable of doing. I don't want them cooking, cooking. Well, even though Jade's a really good cook now. Um, so we'll do that. But this uh, this last Mother's Day, I don't think, I, no, Valentine's Day, I didn't have them. So I met up with their dad and we all had Valentine's Day breakfast together. And the boys wow. bought me flowers. And I got to the restaurant early, so I had like, stuffed animals on each chair with balloons and candy. And I even got Mike a card and a little tiny little teddy bear. Cause... Oh my gosh. <sighs> you're, like, you're like a co-parenting guru. And also, no. will you adopt me? <laughs> I think you're fine. You're hilarious. But I love that stuff. Like that for Valentine's so Day, like I do, if I have the boys, I'll do heart-shaped pancakes. And I just, as a girl, I love doing that stuff. So it's for me too. Do you know what I mean? I want to ask you Mm -hmm. about the origin story for your children's series. Because (laughs) everything we've been discussing kind of plays a part in these 
beautiful books that you've created. So when I heard about how this came together, I was like, oh, our listeners need to hear this. So please share. Okay. So the series is called the I Am uh, book series. And the first book is I Am Mixed. And when my kids were little, reading is important. So we would go to libraries. I mean, they even had library cards. I'm sure now all libraries are probably closed, unfortunately. So we would go to bookstores and I couldn't find any books that where the characters look like them or it celebrated diversity. You know, I'm Haitian and their dad's Irish. So I just felt like there wasn't anything that explained that. And the fact that, you know, I'm brown and their dad's white. And so I had this idea. I didn't know what to do with the idea. And then I'm going through my divorce. And I remember the therapist saying, I want you to do something that you're scared of um, so that you can get your mind off the negative and try doing something else. So writing, I was scared of. I'm like, I didn't even like writing thank you notes. So, <laughs> um, so one day it was about to rain and I thought, let me get the kids out to the park before, you know, get the energy out so that we can stay home the rest of the day. And so we were at the park and they're spinning around on one of those, I don't know what you call them, those little spinning things that they have at the park. And this other little boy started joining them. So they were taking turns. And so you strike up a conversation with a parent, whoever that parent is. And it was this guy. So we started talking while the kids were playing. And about an hour in, I said, so what do you do? And he said, um... I publish uh, books and I just started my first kid's book. And I was like, oh my God. I looked up and I was like, God, you have a sense of humor. And so I said, really, I have an idea. So we, he gave me his card. And so I didn't do anything with it right away. And then one day I think I was like just sort of sitting still. And I thought you met him for a reason. Like, why don't you follow up? So I emailed him. And I said, hey, I don't know if you remember me. I met you at the park with the kids And can we meet? I have an idea. So his name is Sebastian A. Jones. We met at his office and we started brainstorming about writing a kid's book. And he said, you know, I'd love to write it with you and I can publish it. And I was like, great. And we came out with I Am Mixed as our first book. And so listeners, Mm -hmm. the moral of the story is playground meetups (laughs) are the new power lunches. Hey, yeah, it could happen anywhere. And stay open because you never know who you're going to meet. That's right. And these books, what I'm so impressed by, I think there are a lot of, there are probably a lot of people with celebrity power who sort of just put their stamp on something. Mm. But it seems like your DNA is like running through these books and that you were a part of every step in the process. Yeah, I loved it. I loved the process, even though I was scared of it. Once we got the writing out of the way, the illustrations became everything. And my kids got to pick. They wanted bunnies in it. They wanted mice in it. They wanted, you know, they got to be a part of it. And for me, to show them that an idea, if you have an idea, you can actually make it happen. You know, so that was a really great lesson. Um, And then the second book, I Am Living in Two Homes, well, because that's what my kids do. (laughs) I I have a a little part, Mm -hmm. one page of that book Mm -hmm. that I'll read. Um, When Nia and I go to daddy's house, he says, it's okay to cry and shout to the wind. Stomp it out. Don't keep it all in. But know that we love you and you're never alone. Many families live in two different homes. Yeah, it's become the mo- the norm now, unfortunately. And uh, that was a powerful statement. Like you want them to be able to talk it out. 
and stomp it out. And I mean, stomp I'm it out so big on use... that. Our listeners know, like, I feel like every third episode is about, like, don't, how can we um, create the safe space for our children to have all of their feelings yeah. instead of fixing them? Yeah. And interestingly enough, yesterday I was talking to, uh, they're with their dad this week. So I was talking to him. I do FaceTime with them. And, um, and Jade said, mommy, I know you set up this play date, but I don't want to play with this kid anymore. And I didn't want to tell you cause I didn't want you to be upset. And I was like, you can totally tell me how you feel because I don't know the dynamics of you know, it's one thing to set up a play date and I like the mom. So that becomes another thing. Yeah. <laughs> we I can, like hanging out with uh, the mom, but the kid, obviously, Jay doesn't want that to That is a, a hard to. double date situation it is when the hard. kids don't like each other, right. but you like each other. Or your kid doesn't like that kid, but that kid likes your kid, but you don't want to upset the mom. Oh, there's drama. There's drama there, right? So I definitely want them to feel like they can say how they feel. And the other day, oh my God, this broke my heart. So I put them to bed. We switch on Mondays. So Monday after schools is when they either come to my house or they go to their dad's house for the week, but I can still see them. I'll go after school a couple of times during that week just to hang out with them or take them to baseball just so I can see them because a whole week is a long time for me. They're probably fine. Sometimes I go and I'm like, they don't even care that I'm here, right? But I'm here. So Jax, I put them to bed and I leave so they can settle down and then I'll come back. So I came back and I thought I heard Jax sniffling and it's dark in the room and I said, I left the bathroom light on. And I said, are you crying? And he said, yeah. And I said, why are you crying? And he said, every Monday, he goes, every week I have to miss a parent. <laughs> and I didn't know what to do. And Jax is the one that really doesn't share his feelings as much. And it was really, really difficult. Because what do you say? And I get it. And I said, you know what, Jax? Thank you for telling me how you feel. I feel the same way every week. I have to miss you too when you go to dad's, but we're doing the best we can and we love you. And that's what I really wanted the book to be about is that no matter where you live, no matter what home you're in, we're still a family no matter what. And, uh, but you know, but it's not always easy. You just no, and I, and I love that about the book is that you don't make it seem easy. Right. And in that first, you know, the first page, you see the child with the suitcase. And when I look back on my childhood, so I, I just see right now the pink, it was like a mouse, it was like a ballerina mouse, not Angelina ballerina, a different <laughs> mouse, a mouse dressed as a ballerina on a pink little suitcase. And that's what I took with me mm. every week. To the other parents' house. How did your parents handle it? I think th- I think they they did really well. It was a co-parenting situation. It was joint custody. Okay. So starting in kindergarten, um, I lived with my dad during the week and then saw my mom on the weekends. Wow. So that was int- like a different deal. Yeah. But then starting in first grade, I was with my mom during the week and my dad on the weekends mm. and Wednesdays. Okay. And then like holidays, they'd switch it up. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, I'm so glad you just asked me. See, you're the real interviewer. Um, <laughs> you asked me because I haven't given my parents enough credit for the fact that they were co-parenting in the 80s. Right. People weren't doing that. You either lived with one parent or the other, I think. Yeah. And a lot of, I was the only kid 
in kindergarten who had divorced parents. And then over the years, you know, more families fall apart um, or just like reinvent themselves. Yeah. But so that was hard for me. And I was an only child, so I really wanted a sibling. And so, yeah, that question of like, well, will they get back together? And then you watch movies like The Parent Trap. Right. Fantasies. And then you're like, well, can't we all just live together? Like, because I want my stepmom here too. So can't we all just be together? That's sweet. Um, But I think that they did such an incredible job of always letting me know that they both really wanted me. Mm. And I also knew that because I grew up in Texas. My parents had moved there for my dad's work, and he had promised my mom that it would only be a few years. And instead, they got divorced, and then they both had to stay in Texas. Because of you. (laughs) Because of me. Right. Wow. So they both got stuck in Texas. So the fact that they... um, you know, and there were other, you know, they've both made big sacrifices. They now, you know, they always lived within an hour of each other. Mm-hmm. And the, I can always think, like, well, they fought for me. Aww. So I, I ha- sometimes I give my parents a hard time on this podcast, uh, <laughs> <laughs> as we all do, because yeah. we reflect on, like, what, how did our, what did our parents do and how do I want to sh- shift that? Yes. And, and now I'm making all new mistakes. But, uh, <laughs> As we all do. Thanks, Mom and Dad, for, you know, being trailblazers in the co-parenting department. Yay. I also have to tell you, um, Garcelle, that I recently had Randall Winston on the podcast. And he's for our listeners, he's this huge television producer. He produced Spin City Mm -hmm. and Scrubs and my husband's show Undateable. And he mentions... Your book. No way. In the episode. And I had not, I hadn't heard of I Am Mixed. Um, it just wasn't on my radar yet. And he brought it up for his daughter. And so wow. that's just interesting synchronicity for me. I love I that. Had no the idea. universe. I believe yeah. in all those things. Tell us a little bit about I Am Awesome. So we haven't touched on that yet. Yes. I Am Awesome is the third book in the series, in the I Am series. And it's really about celebrating what kids, what makes kids uh, feel awesome, whether it's not being afraid of the dark, whether it's being great at video games, or whether it's helping a friend who's being bullied on the playground. It's just whatever makes you awesome. Being able to ride a bike. So we really just wanted to make it fun and sort of which all the books are about reinforcement, positive, you know, positive messages. Do you, okay, you are a model, a television and film actress, a children's book author, and now daytime host. (laughs) How do you center yourself and how do you recharge? I, that's a very good question. I tune out sometimes. I have to. Because I also take on people's energy. Me too, man. You too? Oh my God. I stopped going to a hairdresser for that reason. Yeah. Oh. I would leave her. Uh, oh, yeah. No, no, no. Everything. No, frazzled. it's a problem. Yeah. It's a real problem. You it have to help, help me, Garcelle. <laughs> no, seriously. I even imagine one therapist was like, okay, I came up with this like image of like Glinda's bubble. <laughs> like, and that's how I can have. I can still be in Glinda's bubble. Mm-hmm. I don't need to take off like wherever I am. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't work that well, but this is a yeah. thing for me. No, I find I have to do that because otherwise, yeah, no, it's just, even if it's just laying in my bed and putting on those little, you know, the nightshades that you put on your eyes, whatever, eye, the, mask, eye yeah. ma- masks, exactly. And then just laying there for 20 minutes and then just breathing deeply, either that or 
or a bath. Like I took a bath last night because I just felt like, oh my God, I did something amazing. I'll talk about it in a minute. <laughs> like uh-huh, yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, just taking the moment just to like... <sighs> I always forget I think, to breathe. Yeah. And I think we go, go, go so much and we put a lot on our plates and we multitask. And But you have to take a moment for yourself. And I think it's also good for your kids to see that you do that too so that they can do it. You know, I don't know. I try to find teachable moments. I love it. You're full of teachable moments. (laughs) I don't know about that, but sometimes I get, you know, it's hard. It's hard. Pressure you to get a podcast. (laughs) Add that to your plan. Maybe that'll be what I can uh, use as my, yeah, get it out, get it all out. So what were you doing yesterday? Yesterday I met Hillary Clinton. That is so ridiculous. I emailed you to follow up and be like, hey, remember my little parenting podcast? Are we still on for tomorrow? <laughs> By the way, say hi to my friend Hillary. Like, what? What are you doing with Hillary Clinton? Oh, it's so ridiculous. I always say to my friends, I, I definitely, I have a normal life, but every now and then I get to do something extraordinary. And yesterday was extraordinary. Um, she had a fundraiser in Studio City of all places in California, which is Studio City, you know, small little town. Um, she was there, fundraiser, meeting people, and uh, it was pretty what did awesome. You, what did you say? I just said hi. I'm a big supporter of you. I want to see you in your uh, in the White House um, yeah. as the president. <laughs> And uh, I was just asked to be one of her surrogates. What does that mean? Are you going to carry, carry her baby? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody said that. I said, listen, my eggs are so fried. <laughs> no way. Um, I guess, you know, help with the campaign because of my following, because of, you yeah. know, the people yeah. that I can talk to. And I believe the African-American women, just, you know, working single moms, you know, all that stuff. So I am hosting an event for her uh, on her behalf in uh, Memphis this weekend. What? Did this just happen? It the Memphis just thing? Like happened. yesterday, you found it out you were... It just happened, yes. You're going to be in Memphis? I'm going to be in Memphis, and I oh, may be man, in Florida with get... her. What? Okay, <laughs> you got to get your eye mask. You gotta... You're going to be taking a lot of baths. Yes. Because the pressure is on you, sister. I... My God, how crazy is this? A little girl from Haiti. I mean, what? That's so, That's so crazy. And she looked beautiful. And she she's a grandma, beautiful. man. We yeah, gotta, we gotta get a grandma in the old, White House. Grandma in the White House, and our first first man, right? First lady, first man. <laughs> yeah, first husband, first husband. Yeah. What do you call Bill? Yeah, first husband. Yeah, I guess so. Oh man. Yeah. So how cool. And she was down to earth. There were a lot of kids there, which I loved. My kids weren't there, but it was great to see a lot of kids running around with their little, you know, badge on and with their names on it. And it's like great to get kids involved in that stuff. So maybe I'll take my kids to Florida. Yeah. Maybe. And then you're going to be doing like the White House Easter lawn Let- stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, right? I know what you're talking about. I have a crazy story about that. Oh, please tell me. I had asked, do you know what I'm talking about? Because sometimes I say, I, sometimes I just make up things. <laughs> so that was more me fact checking. Like, there is an Easter thing. You right? are hilarious. <laughs> tell us about No the wonder thing. your podcasts are so fun. <laughs> Thank you. All right, they have the uh, annual White House Easter egg hunt, which we got invited two years ago. Now, the day before we were to leave for Washington, D.C., my car got broken into at my kid's baseball game. So my bag, which was in it, my older son had left it in there. I thought he put it in the back, in the trunk. He left it in there. My car got broken into. They took everything, wallet, makeup. I was very worried about my makeup because <laughs> it 
takes a long time to accumulate all that stuff. You don't don't go to one store yeah. and buy a yeah. bunch of makeup. Well, yeah. Anyway, Garcelle's not going just to CVS and like <laughs> picking up all the white girl makeup. <laughs> exactly. That's hysterical. Although Maybelline drugstore mascara okay. is the best. Okay. Um, and Aquaphor. Duly noted. Um, yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, so my ID, my credit cards, everything stolen the day before we're supposed to fly. I am sobbing in the parking lot of uh, of the field. So I run to the bank. Luckily, the game was an early game. So the banks were still open till 1 p.m. on a Saturday. So I went and got cash and got, you know, temporary, you know, credit card so we could go because I'm not going to cancel. Who mm. knows when this opportunity mm. will ever be again? And also, there's a black president. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing to us, right? It's amazing. So we get to the... White House Easter egg hunt, and it is a scene. I mean, there's a mob scene, and it's hot. The kids are dressed up. They don't want to wear a jacket okay. and a tie, but you're wearing a jacket and a tie, right? I would be so... You're I'd wearing like, it. You're just... Pull it together <laughs> exactly. one day. You right. can get whatever you want yeah. the rest of your life. Just exactly. Just don't make me look bad. Exactly. <laughs> White House Hello? mom. Hello? Right? So they grab the kids, make them sit in this seating area, because President Obama's going to come read them a book. But the thing is, whoever's handling this doesn't have kids because they sit the kids way too early. They don't oh, want to no. sit down. They don't want to be there. My kids are walking up to me going, we don't want to go look for eggs. We don't want to sit here anymore. Yeah. And I'm going, and I'm talking through my teeth because I don't want to embarrass myself and everybody else. I'm going, yeah. go sit down. The president is coming. We're here for this. Go sit down. You can have all the candy you want afterwards, but you got to go sit down, right? <gasps> And I see other parents having the same talk with their kids. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'm and not alone. I was trying to smile because like, yeah. in case you end up in a photo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go sit down, right? So they go back and sit down, but they have mean looks on their faces. They're mad at mommy. And I'm like, Jesus, this is not good. I'm hot. I'm all dressed up. We're on the lawn. My heels sinking into the grass. It's, a, it's crazy, but I'm happy to be here, right? So finally, President Obama comes out. He uh, reads uh, Where the Wild Things Are for the Kids, which is amazing. You know that book? Yeah. It doesn't right? seem really like on theme, but no, sure. No, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> he could read Playboy. We don't care at this point. He's well, here. Articles. He's reading. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, for the no, articles. Exactly. That's, that's No, that's amazing. Okay. Where the Wild Things Are. So he reads he's the book. reading it, My man. kids still have a mean look on their face. I'm like, wow. oh, God. So afterwards, President Obama gives high fives to, you know, the kids. It's an amazing moment. So now Jade runs up to me, goes, okay, now can we go get candy and look for eggs? And I'm like, sure. And this woman overhears Jade says that, and she whispers something in my ear. And I'm like, oh, geez. And I go, Jade, I get down to his level. I go, Mrs. Obama is really about health. They only have bananas and oranges and apples. He throws himself on the lawn. He is face down on the lawn. And now I'm like, get up. Oh Wait, what were in the eggs? Like They nuts? were hollow eggs. No. And some of them were wooden, but they had the stamp of the White House on them. But oh, he so you get to save that. Yeah, we still have that. But he could care less. When he's in his 30s, yeah. he'll Listen. have it in his office. Oh, my goodness. A six and a half year old no. does okay, not so this care. Is, now, when you're in Florida with Hillary. Yeah. You have a mandate. Yes. There will be Get candy. Get candy on Easter at the White House, yeah. goddammit. I love it. This is one of the provisions of being a surrogate for Hillary Clinton. Listen, I'm on it. I love it. Oh Jay my God. will be very happy. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Carcel. We really appreciate having I you. I love having you. 
Um, okay. I love being we here. We are... Uh, I'm going to quickly share our mom bomb, and then we're going to be out. This also comes from Garcelle's Instagram. Uh, she didn't write it, but she shared it, and I feel like it's, it's so amazing. It must be shared. Okay, here's the mom bomb. The only time a woman is helpless is when her nail polish is drying. Other than that, watch out. So listeners, we'll see you next week. Trust in your goodness. Live out your greatness. Rock on, Atomic Moms. Mm-hmm.